What's up, everyone? Shane Larson here from the Game Time Guru Podcast. I want to make sure that you're following me on all my social media platforms. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Make sure to go follow me on all of those. Go find me at the Game Time Guru. You'll see me there. I interact with my audience. I love um, interacting with anybody who's a sports fan and just talking about stuff that we're passionate about, uh, keeping ourselves distracted from the crap that's going on in the world right now. And, um, you know, if we're passionate about sports, why not follow each other and discuss things? So I'm pretty active on, on Twitter and Instagram and I'm building my following on TikTok as we speak. So follow me on all my social media platforms, send me a DM, let me know what you'd like to hear, what kind of guests you'd like to have on the show and, and, and see, and what kind of content you guys want. We're going to be bringing content every single Friday as we always have since the, the first part of the show, we're going on three and a half years now. And, uh, we're, we're loving the, the growth of the show. Also want to give a massive shout out to my sponsor over at 208 Printing. Make sure to uh, check them out by going to madeby208.com. If, you, you're, if you're a coach and you want jerseys or, or shirts made for your team, um, if you're a business owner and you want to make some swag for, for branding purposes, go over, check them out. They'll take care of your shirts, hats, anything that needs printed. Um, 208 Printing has you taken care of. So I want to give a shout out to them and, and thank them for being the exclusive sponsor to the Game Time Guru podcast. Please forgive the audio in this episode. I did not have my microphone with me when I was actually doing this episode, this interview. So the audio is a little bit different. It's not as clear when it comes through my voice, uh, but I hope you guys enjoy the content. Uh, we've got an awesome interview, a lot of great stuff being spoken about here on today's episode of the Game Time Guru. So what time is it? Game time. This is the Game Time Guru podcast, where I interview sports figures from all over the world to help deliver a panoramic view on sports. So whether you're a former athlete, one of the crazies, or simply a casual sports fan, this is the perfect show for you as we peel back the curtains and learn from our guests every single week. I'm your host, Shane Larson, and I'm helping you see sports through a different lens. What's going on, everybody? Welcome out to the Game Time Guru Podcast. I am your host, Shane Larson. And you'll notice today, different setup. I've uh, got a little bit of a different setup with my headset. I'm not in the studio, but we are getting this stuff done, cranking out the content, bringing another amazing guest to the show. And we're going to be discussing some awesome stuff in regards to football and coaching and culture and all this stuff. But first, I got to give a shout out to my sponsors, 208 Printing. Make sure you go check them out. They can get all your printing needs done. If you want a shirt, if you want hats, anything that needs printing done, go to 208 Printing. We can get you all taken care of. Hit me up if you want to know more about them. Uh, if you have something that you want to get done for your team, you just let me know. I can hit up the sponsors. 208 Printing, massive shout out, the sponsor of the Game Time Guru podcast. Now, guys, also, before you even move forward with listening to this, I would love if you could just leave me a review on my podcast. Leave me a review on iTunes. It would, it would be super, super helpful. It helps me out, and uh, it helps the growth of the show as it hits more people, and it helps the credibility. Now. Without further ado, I told you we're going to be talking to somebody super, super special here on the show today, um, going through a situation that, you know, a lot of us have heard about, but I mean, we've never talked to somebody on the show that's going through this right now with the pandemic that we're currently in. And so we're going to get to know him, his history, and what he's currently up to right now. His name is Dan Sheffield. He is the head coach at Newport High School in Oregon for the football team. Dan, thanks so much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Shane. I've uh, listened to the show a whole bunch, and I'm excited to be here. Heck yeah, man. I, I'm stoked. So just to give you guys a rundown, I, I met Dan when he was working with the Idaho Horsemen. Now, 
the Idaho Horsemen are an indoor football team here in Idaho in the Treasure Valley. And uh, for a short stint, Dan was kind of helping a little bit with the, the coaching side of things and the pandemic hit and all these opportunities came about. But I got to know Dan, and this is why we wanted to have him on the show, because he's got a lot of knowledge he's going to share. But first things first, Dan, we need to know, you know, before you get to the head coaching position, we got to know your playing history. Where did you come up with this, like, knowledge of football? What's your playing history? What's your background in football? Like, when did you start getting into the sport? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a funny story, too. I, I I got to start football when I was a little bit later in life. Uh, I mean, a lot of kids in the Valley get to play football through Optimus and play at a really younger, a lot younger age and tackle and stuff. But uh, being a big guy, and I've always been kind of a big guy, uh, when I was nine years old, my parents wanted to sign me up for Optimus, but uh, I was such a large child that I would have had to play with 12-year-olds. So they decided to keep me out of football. I've all, my family's always been a huge wrestling family, so I wrestled until then, got into middle school about sixth grade, and usually Optimus ends about sixth grade, or, or your last season of Optimus is sixth grade. Uh, and I was lucky enough that the middle school coach at Lake Hazel Middle School said that I could play on the middle school team as a sixth grader. So uh played there uh didn't play a snap maybe two snaps my sixth grade year uh I was such a big kid out of shape had to run around the goalpost a whole bunch uh because I just needed to get better in shape you know didn't play much and then uh seventh grade ended up uh starting on the offensive line uh same kind of through eighth grade and stuff was fortunate enough to go to uh Bishop Kelly High School uh for my extended high school career and played there. I uh, got to play a little bit of varsity when I was a sophomore. Uh, didn't start on the varsity, but just got to get in when the time was right for us and stuff. And then I got to start as a junior, was an all-conference all um, player, all-state all player, too, as a junior. Uh, did really well. Was going into my senior year. Was, was like the best in shape I've ever been. I was super strong. Uh, and then about four games into the season at practice, uh, one of the guys landed on my leg and uh, dislocated my ankle and broke my broke my leg. So I uh, ended up having to sit out a lot of my senior year, which was kind of unfortunate. Uh, I was getting recruited to some big name schools, and then a lot of them kind of dropped their offers and told me to go to a junior college and stuff. So I ended up uh, going to the University of Montana Western. Uh, go Dogs! They uh, they were really good to me. Um, I, I got out there. I, I you know, as a, as a pretty stud player in high school, I expected to start. That didn't happen. I had to work my way up through the ranks and stuff. Uh, we went through a couple coaching changes while I was there, um, and I think it was for the best. We had a kind of had a rough three, first three years of school, of, of football, and the coaching staff and stuff. And then we, we um, you know, we had that coaching change my third year there. And a guy named Ryan Norris came in from Morningside College and uh, he didn't only change us as, as football players, but he changed us as young men, too. And that's that's something that, like, I've really, like, always taken away from coaching or now that I use in my own coaching is that before before Ryan or Coach Norris came in, you know, we were just football players. We were just college kids. We were just kids. And he molded us. You know, it took a couple years to kind of understand and, and, and build into that habit and that mindset and that understanding. But, you know, he, he brought in what is a champion's manual, and it totally changed our – it changed my life 100%. Uh, just reading the stories that he has in the champion's manual, talking about, you know, 
the difference between being a boy and a man and growing up and, and doing stuff like that. So I played for him for a couple of years, uh, decided to take a step back from football my last year of college and was lucky enough that he still offered me to fill up the water jugs and take and help set up the field on game days and stuff like that. So I got to be part of the program in, in that kind of aspect too. So yeah, that's kind of the extent of, of my playing career. And I, I really enjoyed it too. Man, that's really cool to hear that. It's it's unique because, like you mentioned, a lot of people here in the Treasure Valley of Idaho go through what they call Optimist football. It's our version of like Pop Warner or Pee Wee, whatever you want to call it. And to hear that you kind of div- did a different route, it was a unique route to, to playing football a little bit later. It seems weird because a lot of players now, I guess it's just kind of the norm. You get put into the system, the Optimist football system, then you go into middle school, then you go into high school. But to be able to just start in middle school and go through the realm and still be able to play at a high level go to a, a really good high school in Bishop Kelly, then go to play at the next level in college is, is really awesome. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about the Bishop Kelly um, experience, right? In the Treasure Valley of Idaho, Bishop Kelly is a really well-known school. Um, it's a Catholic school, and it's a, it's a school that's, I mean, really, really well-known for not only their academics, but their morals and their, their sports. Like, they've got some good athletic programs, especially in the sport of football, what was it like there for you, Dan, like being in a, a part of that school? I mean, I'm not saying I'm not discrediting other schools. And I'm not trying to say like, oh, a private school or whatever is so superior and this and that. No, no, but what I'm saying is they're really good all around. Like, I mean, nobody really has negative things to say about Bishop Kelly. Talk to us about how that like shaped you in, in regards to the culture of the school and, and whatnot. Did you enjoy your time there? Uh, yeah, so I was fortunate enough to, to coach there the last three years before I moved up here to Newport. But as a player, um, you know, I went to I went to Lake Hazel Middle School, a public school uh, down in the valley, and then I, you know, went to the private school lifestyle, and just just the change of the culture was a big shock to me. Um, just how people treated each other, the the way the community, the teachers, the faculties, the staff, how you know, and you're going to get this in other schools too, but I just feel like sometimes in public school it gets a little bit too overcrowded, and some kids get kind of left behind and stuff. But like at Bishop Kelly. Um, you, if you, if you took the time, you could know everybody, um, whether it's teachers, other students, um, you know, your, your faculty and staff and stuff. And, and just the, the welcoming with open arms, uh, the positivity that I got, uh, going to Bishop Kelly as a player, uh, the, the people that actually like truly cared about me and cared about my well being, even though I was a good athlete, um, it's not like that, that was the only attribute that they, they saw, you know, they still wanted me to work hard in my academics and, you know, that lesson might've been learned a little bit too late. Uh, while I was at BK sometimes. And, but those, those people there, they, they truly care and they, they have a, a really strong culture. And I think that's kind of, it translates to the, uh, the sports teams there where, you know, they love and they care about you and your coaches are the same way, but you also love and care about the, your peers and your players around you. Um, and then it just like it just molds into this for football especially it molds into this brotherhood like being a being an incoming freshman at 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 any school really and going to football camps and and meeting people who you're going to go to school with before school ever starts kind of gives you that bond you know you don't have to walk into the lunchroom and be like well where do I sit today or I don't know these people or you know I, I I didn't know anybody going to Bishop Kelly going from middle school to high school I I knew nobody and it was just kind of like I already had this bond with, you know, 30 other dudes on my freshman team. And it was like we would hang out with each other before school, after school, especially if football season was in practice. Um, and, yeah, it's just 
the, the community there is, is amazing. It's uplifting. They care about you. You know, they always support you. Uh, and if, if you, anybody ever gets down in that community, they try to help them with a helping hand as much as they can, you know, but they, they definitely, you know, try to guide you. Um, they don't, they don't force you to do anything you don't want to, but they'll definitely try to guide you and they'll try to guide you in the best direction that they seem, you know, and, and it all translates to sports. I mean, we, there's that, there's that bond that we share with our coaches bond that you share with your, your players and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's a, it's a special place for sure. That's super cool to hear from your perspective. Cause you not only were there as a player, you're there as a coach too. And you got to take some of the stuff that you had learned throughout your playing career into the coaching realm, kind of go back and kind of give back over there. And I've spoken to people who've played there. Um, you know, I was in the five, a conference, so I never actually played Bishop Kelly unless it was like a basketball tournament in the summer. And we played some of the four, a schools, but, um, Everybody that goes there, I've never heard anything truly negative about that school and, and that culture. In fact, it's all typically positive things that they say. So it's really cool to hear that from you. Um, now, going into the high school realm, this is a question that, you know, I got to ask you when I was, you know, talking to you when you were with the Horsemen. And I want to kind of get that here on my show a little bit, too. So you coached at the high school level, kind of getting to mold and, and, and shape these young men. You also had a little dab into the, the professional realm. It's the indoor football league here in, in Idaho. It's the professional side of things. Call it professional. I mean, it is what it is. It's, it's yeah. the beginning stages of professional football, essentially. And for some of them, it's the late stages of professional football. It just depends on their career. And I, I'm curious, man, yeah. can you tell, tell our audience the differences? Like, what, what was one of the main transitions coaching, like, high school, you know, athletes compared to, quote-unquote, professional athletes? Um, you know, with, with high school athletes, you definitely have to take like a further steps back of teaching like technique and stuff um, and, and attitude and hard work. And, and, and most of the guys, you know, and I didn't, my experience with the horsemen is I really didn't get, a, I'm not going to say it wasn't a great experience. It was an awesome experience when the opportunity was there, but since the, uh, the COVID uh, pandemic happened and stuff, the career, you know, it didn't really become a, a whole season. I just got to do, Sorry about that. I just got to do um, a few practices and uh, it was good to be around those guys. Like I, I was kind of, I, you know, I'm younger, like I'm not way young, but I'm, I'm 30 years old. And some of those guys out there are around my same age. So for them to like, listen to me and say, yes, coach and, and understand at the professional level too, is like, you know, that was, that was pretty awesome. That was a great experience. Those guys want to come to work. You know, they, they want to go win football games. You don't, you don't really always have to uh, encourage hard work. I think at the high school sometimes, like uh, if you have like a day off of school and then you have a practice later that night, like if it's like a Monday or something, you might, your players might come in a little bit more lack, lackadaisical. They might not be firing off all cylinders and stuff like that. There might be some brain farting going on um, and some messing around and stuff and to refocus them. Um, but with the professional guys, you really didn't have to do that. You know, it, it, you could, sorry, my phone keeps buzzing. Let me, uh, let me turn it on silent real quick. I don't know if you guys can hear it on that end or anything, but. Oh, that's fine, uh, man. That's just part of the whole, whole deal of recording podcasts, man. We just, we have all the technology <laughs> that's involved. It's totally fine. I totally forgot to, there we go. Um, but just kind of like with, with the professional guys, you can still, you can still joke around with them and have a good time and make sure everything's like, you know, I, I want them to know, I want the high school kids to know that I care about them as people and same with the professional, professional guys. Um, but with the professional guys, I don't have to, they, they know how to flip their switch, you know, that 
that it's game time mode switch or it's time to get down to business switch, you know, where we might be doing some indie stuff and like they might get some good reps. I might do a little coaching uh, and then they'll turn around and we'll, we'll might, we might talk and, and BS a little bit, but then it's like, all right, here's what we're going to do. And it's like, yes, coach. And they're down in their stances. They're ready to go. They're ready to turn on that switch where high school kids, you know, it's, it takes time to develop that. And, and that's what it, I had a high school coach when I was graduating my senior year um, tell me that one time. He was like, hey, you know, you, he was talking to me and another guy named Spencer Gerke uh, the summer before our senior senior season. And he was like, you know, you guys have the potential to go play at the next level, no matter what capacity that looks like. But you have to learn. There's a switch that you turn on, you know, from set hut to the whistle. When it's done blowing, your switch is on and you're going. And then once that whistle gets done blowing, you can turn that switch off, go back to the huddle, you know, uh, then listen to the play and then go right back into it. So it's like that constant turning it on and off and stuff. And that's those, those professional guys are good at keeping their switches on uh, in, in times that it needs to be turned on. Totally. And I mean, obviously it comes to that's it. They're, they're professionals. Now they've been kind of through, most of them have been through the ranks, you know, and they understand what it takes to get there where I'm sure like in high school, I mean, I'm trying to take myself back to high school. You and I are roughly the same age. I'm 31. And I remember, you know, there were times where, you know, coach wasn't in the practice. That's where we took time off. And I know it's awful to say, like, we'd be in basketball court and coach leaves and all of a sudden our, like, you know, 90 mile an hour chess passes become just these little loss to each other. One, you know, when playing basketball, second coach walks in there, we were like going hundred miles at it. It took a little minute for us to like, you know, we weren't always the most disciplined, but when you kind of get to that next level, if you're coached correctly, go through the systems and you're, you're, you've matured, I can imagine that's a little bit easier from that aspect, but I'm sure there's some difficulties too, when it comes to coaching the professional realm. I mean, you, if, for those who aren't motivated or whatever, I'm sure that it can uh, kind of be hard because you're dealing with adults. Now, Dan, I, I got a question here for you. I was just listening to a podcast yesterday and it was, it's called the, uh, I think it's all the smoke with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson. It's a basketball podcast. They're interviewing former basketball players in the NBA, but let me, let me ask you this question. So J.R. Smith, who's a well-known basketball player, been in the league for quite a while, um, was talking about culture and the difference in culture amongst teams that he had been on. And even in the professional realm, I mean, he was with the, the, the Denver Nuggets. He'd been to, you know, the New York Knicks. And then when he got to the, the Cleveland Cavaliers and he was playing with LeBron James, he talked about the complete difference in, in, in culture amongst organizations. And he was talking about how it was an immediate, like, when it all costs culture and how LeBron James had elevated him. He had played with other superstars like Baron Davis, Chris Paul, uh, Carmelo Anthony, Chauncey Billups, Allen Iverson, got over to New York, all this stuff. But he'd never actually experienced a winning culture. And and it was kind of interesting because I was like, man, culture. J.R. Smith talking about the professional realm. You know, what does it take? You talked about your, your college coach, the champion's manual, and, and talking about this stuff. What does it take to truly build a culture? Because now we're going to get kind of talking into, like, how you're going to implement that into your new career at Newport. What do you think it takes to get that shift into a culture that's a winning culture? You know, I really think it, it, it takes trust and love. You know, and that's kind of cheesy to say, but you, you get, you like before that, before coach Norris came into Western, we didn't feel like we could almost trust in our, our coaches. We didn't feel like they loved us. Um, there was a lot of trash talking going on during that time. Uh, you know, you, you, somebody would squat 600 pounds or, you know, I had a, I had a 676 uh, pound squat back in college. And I would do that. And then our head coach wouldn't even tell us good job. He would, he would just tell us to put more weight on the bar and stuff. 
And it was just kind of like in, in that positive reinforcement, I guess, is a little aspect, but that's part of like the love, you know, it's and then Norris came in uh, and he said, you know, you guys are young men and I'm going to treat you like men and expect, but he also did a really good job of, of praising us. And, and when it comes down to just understanding that like football's not forever, you know, football's important for, for growing and learning life lessons about accountability and discipline and, 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 but his, his main focus was like, I'm going to turn you guys into good men. I'm going to turn you into great fathers. You know, it wasn't, he, and yeah, hopefully with all that comes a football championship and it's taken a long time, especially at the university of Montana Western. It's a really hard school to recruit for because it's a, it's one of the smallest towns in the NI uh, frontier conference. It's hard to keep kids around during the summertime, especially players, because there's not a lot of job opportunities for them. Um, it kind of has a culture of itself of a party town. It's a, it's a college party town. I, I, I'll be honest and was kind of, you know, got into that myself a little bit, but it, what it really came down to is him trust him showing us that we could trust him and that he loved us in the long run of things, you know, and he was always super positive. He came in and he, and it's like, you know, someday I, I, I want to be a good dad, you know, or I want to be a great father and I want to, I want to be a, a good employee. So showing up to work on time, that was instilled through, through football and him. Like, yes, there was, there was discipline actions if you were ever late from the, the other coach too, but it was just like running and, you know, there wasn't even any encouragement, but with Western being such a hard town, keeping that culture alive, it takes a little bit of time. In my opinion, it's taking a little bit of time for them to build the culture out there. And we, he even let us know like his first year, like you guys are, are setting the foundation for the future. Like you, we might not, we, like he never said this out loud, but it was kind of, you know, you could, you knew what he was talking about. Like we might not win championships. We might have a 500 season, but the work you're about to put in is setting the foundation and setting the culture for the, for the future classes here. You know, we just had our first guy, um, Jason Ferris, he played linebacker at Montana Western was a senior this year. Uh, he just got drafted to the Carolina Panthers. So that's like a first kid to actually graduate from Western to go and play in the big leagues. And, and that's, and if that's not a culture shift, you know, I don't really know what is because we've had kids come to Western leave, go to different schools and then go play in the NFL. But with him staying at Western graduating, uh, he is a Montana boy. I'm not sure which town he's from. He might even be from Dillon. Um, he, you know, just to see that work that he put into, I think, you know, he was from Dillon. So watching Western football as he grows up, Western also shares their stadium with the high school. And so, you know, Friday night, the high school plays, Saturday afternoon, the college plays. And that's got to be exciting to grow up in that kind of culture and see that. And then he watched, watches the cult, culture change into this championship type culture. You know, it's not all win or lose, we booze kind of culture it's it's we're going to go work hard we're going to show up on saturday and do some watch some films sundays we're going to watch more film monday we're going to come ready for practice you know um it was it's really important i mean he norris is a coach norris is a huge factor in my life whether he kind of knows it or not but he made a lot of connections just from the stuff that he said to me like it hit home and it's like that's the kind of stuff that i want i take and i carry on like i you look at coaches from your past and you're like, okay, I liked what this coach did, but I didn't like what this coach did. So I'm going to try to keep away from the negative stuff and I'm going to bring all that positivity and that learning. And same with the Bishop Kelly coaches. I mean, I not only got to play for the guys uh, that coached there, but I also got to coach with them. So I got to see both, both sides of, of how the interaction off the field works, you know, talking to the kids in the locker room and then as a coach being able to go 
into the lock, uh, the coach's office and sit down and have conversations with them and just to see just the opposite side, you know, it's, it's, and it really does. It really starts with the head coach and it starts with, and that, and he's the one who coach Brennan, uh, Tim Brennan over at Bishop Kelly, he does a great job of, of knowing, letting everybody know what the expectation is of, of the culture. You know, it's, it's, we have t-shirts that we wear uh, called that have BK tradition. And every year a kid gets at least one or two. And by the, I'm sure by the time they graduate, they got 60 BK tradition shirts because it's a tradition and they know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to work hard. And the, the object is to win football games and to have like, you're going to leave Bishop Kelly being friends with coach Brennan after that, you know, he's going to be your coach first and your friend second. And I think that's huge and important. In, especially in relationships. Totally, man. And as you're talking, I'm, I'm kind of going back in, in time in my own head, thinking of coaches that have inspired me and then the coaches that I kind of like had problems with. Now, a lot of that could have easily been due to my maturity level or lack thereof uh, back when I was in high school and even in middle school and stuff and just like not wanting to listen to certain ones. But, you know, sometimes you just didn't trust certain coaches. And, and you, you know what I mean? And I know a lot of athletes do. Like you might be losing in a game and uh, – your coach is talking and there's a difference when you're losing the game and the coach is talking and you believe in them. You're like, you know what? We might be losing this game, but I actually trust what he's saying. Like we'll still be in this game. We can still compete. Then there's a coach that you might not believe in because maybe the way he treated you at practice and you see the way that he conducts himself day to day and you don't necessarily have that trust and you don't feel the love from him or her. And it's like, it, it, it's tough. It's tough to build, build that winning culture when you don't have that, that trust, that love around everyone. And, I have a question for you then too, Dan, from a coaching perspective, because I've never coached before, but right now you're the head coach at Newport, right? And, and you're just getting into this career here um, over there. And the thing is, is you, you got two, two sides to this. You've got to coach the athletes and build up this program and continue on just like molding these young men, but you also have assistant coaches. And I'm curious how that goes as a head coach, you know, you get to have your staff that you work with closely but not everybody sees eye to eye and that's just the reality of it. Some assistant coaches get mad at the coach and they, you know, there's going to be their t typical, you know, tiffs um, that happen. So my question is for you, what's the toughest thing about like making sure that you have a solid relationship with your coaches and a solid relationship with your players at the same time? Yeah. Um, so for just for some reason in my whole life, I've always, my mom always says, I, I never walk into a room with, like with everybody being strangers. You know, I might walk in a room and not know anybody, but by the end of it, I'm going to at least have one friend when I leave. That happened when I went to Bishop Kelly. I went to Bishop Kelly not knowing a single person. When I when I went to Montana Western after graduating high school, I didn't. I knew of one person. I didn't know like he was a senior and I was a freshman, so our ideas of college was a little bit different. And then, you know, coming back to Boise was great. I, obviously, I knew a lot of people, but then I moved to Newport um, about four weeks ago, and I I don't I don't know anybody here. You know, so. So one finding coaches um, has kind of been a little bit of a struggle. Uh, I, I, I'm luckily I got a job teaching uh, at a, at an elementary school K through two PE. And I found a guy who also works there and uh, he's, he's about, he's 27 years old. His name's Alex Price, but he's really just become like my new best friend. Uh, we're, we talk every single day. We go fishing with each other. Um, and and having and trying to get back to your question or whatever um building that relationship with him and and other coaches and stuff like i'm gonna have a first staff meeting this friday at my house uh because we're not allowed to use any of the facilities yet but i i want to bring those guys over 
not not to just talk football with him and talk about expectations, but just to get to know him and sit around and talk and see what they're like. Um, I, I think that's the most important part. And my plan is, you know, with with this whole COVID thing, we can't see our players right now. Um, but my plan is to take the coaches out and go fishing. You know, that's like one day that's going to be like our first real, like this Friday is going to be just kind of like a meet and greet session. Then I want my next coaching meeting to be like, let's go fishing. Let's go hang out. Let's go do something away from the football field. So we get to know each other, you know, and with the kids and and building relationships with the students, you know, I'm sure students right now and, and athletes are tired of being online. You know, they're tired of looking at things through Google classroom or whatever it is, but Right now, it's it's the only way that I can really reach out to them. Um, it's it, I can't. It's hard to build uh, a real relationship personally with them when I can't see it, see their faces. And I'm a big personal guy. I have big emotions. I get excited, um, and I, you know, so that's kind of been trouble troubling right now. Is I, I set up a Google Classroom, one for football workouts and another for my offensive defensive schemes, so kids could go in there and start learning and stuff, and. I've had one kid email me um, telling me that he's excited and, and some other things, you know, but I, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a people person. Like I need to be in front of somebody. I need to have that one-on-one, like moving here to talking to potential assistant coaches, you know, at first um, they were kind of like hesitant. They're like, well, I don't really know how much I can commit to you and, and kind of being wishy-washy a little bit, which is fine. And I completely understand. But then I, you know, happen to sit down and have lunch with some, uh, a, an assistant coach one day, and he's an, he happens to be an administrator at, at the at the high school, and he's like, you know, after we have lunch, he's like, okay, like I think I can get behind you, whatever capacity um, that I can at being an administrator with this crazy schedule and stuff. But just like those kind of relationships, you know, those, and it, and it's something that I'm I'm we're all learning right now. We we live in such a crazy time, and I know everybody always says that, but like. With, with luckily we have all this technology to meet and stuff, but it really makes it difficult for kids because it's summertime and it, and I know if I was in high school and we were going through the same thing and I was about to be a senior, I don't know how much I would be on the computer checking emails, uh, doing football workouts on my own. You know, we, we were lucky enough that we were held weights and conditioning. So it was, it wasn't mandatory, but there was an expectation that you were there from eight to 10, uh, in the morning and you ran and you lifted. And then after that, you usually went and hung out with your friends for the rest of the day. But now kids can't even do that. You know, kids, kids can't have that. And that's another part of like the, the building, the relationships is you get kids in the weight room pushing each other. Then the coach doesn't always have to be the, the pusher and stuff. And, and now right now being online, it's like, who's really pushing each other? You know, who's, who's making those phone calls and, and especially in a new town. Like I don't, I don't know the culture very well yet here i i've met some really good people and i have nothing bad to say about anything that i've that i've gone through so far here it's been super arm you know arm opening uh people are ready to jump on board once i meet them and stuff they've been super helpful but yeah it's a it's a weird time to try to build relationships real and, and real personal relationships with with uh players especially Totally. And I can only imagine, like, I mean, these are unprecedented times that we're going through right now. Um, obviously, like you said, like, we didn't have this. We've never had this, for that matter. And it's the first time we've ever gone into this. And it happens to be your first season as a head coach over this brand new school. And we're going through all this stuff and never met your players. And there's a lot of unknowns going into next season. And one thing is you and I talked, Dan, as well, like, uh, offline. 
you had mentioned something very interesting to me, and I kind of want to bring this up, is, you know, everyone's worried about, okay, one, is there going to be a season? Two, if there is, are there going to be fans there? And most likely, like, you know, numbers are pointing to no. Like, at this particular point, things change every single day. But, yeah. you know, obviously, every, like, for your job and your career, it's like, yeah, I, I hope we have a football season because this, this is my livelihood, you know what I mean? But outside of just it being your job and livelihood, Talk to us about the impact of not having a season of any sport for that matter could do to these athletes. Cause you mentioned something really, really interesting to me. And if you don't mind elaborating on that a little bit and, and kind of speaking on the impact it could have, if we didn't have a season. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of look at some kids and sometimes kids just kind of come into their own, their senior year. You know, I don't, it's just maybe the brain develops a little bit more at that age and they just kind of start to understand or they go through a program for a certain amount of years and, and all of a sudden they might just boom their senior year become an athlete and, and a guy that maybe they, there was a guy that was better than them the year before starting as a senior, but now it's their opportunity. And like, you know, when I was talking to you online, it's like, what happens to these kids? And like, especially with last, you know, the two, the 2020 track season, you know, a lot of those kids uh, potentially lose out on scholarships, lose out on an opportunity to go get a real education and get their school paid for, or, or some of it at least because they, they don't get offered a scholarship because some, you know, maybe a kid doesn't have any junior year film. Maybe he just wasn't there and wasn't ready. And then he works super hard all summer long. And then senior year, he comes up and he just blossoms and he turns into this great athlete, this hardworking kid. And that's that's really what it comes down to is like now the, the scholarship, like even I'm sure college coaches even think about this who are offering kids uh, scholarships now. If, if there's not going to be a football season, how can you really say this kid's right for our program or we can mold this kid to to be part of the culture here and stuff. And so it's, it's kind of crazy. I think there's going to be some – there's going to be some athletes that get, get scholarships and maybe they actually weren't right for that program, you know, and then they're going to have to either get that scholarship taken away or they're going to leave the program. And, you know, how do you find out what's right for you? How do coaches find out what, what you can do for them if you don't, you know, if you miss a whole season and that, that really makes it difficult. And really the biggest part of that is those, those kids are missing out on scholarships because the more film you have of you doing good things, the more opportunities you have to, to get scholarships and to maybe even have like a choice of, of what scholarship you want to choose and stuff like that. Um, and, and that's huge and important. And there's some, there's some great athletes out there, especially down in the Boise Valley right now, uh, up here in, in uh, the West coast side of Oregon. And, and I, I would hate for kids to come out here and, and miss a whole season, especially, you know, just, just having them, having them miss out on the opportunity to be on the field with their, with their team, with their coaches, uh, building that, those relationships and stuff like that. I, you know, it, it kind of makes me sad to think about like we might, and, and we might not. And yes, everything is changing every single day, but I also here up in Lincoln County, we were unfortunate that the weekend that I actually moved here, when I moved here on Friday, uh, there was like six to nine cases of COVID in the Valley and by Sunday night, there was 162. So our school district decided to shut down uh, the entire facilities. They didn't even let admin go into the building. We were planning on doing like a type of uh, workout with, with at least 20 players on the field at a time, four coaches, uh, and then that got put on hold. So everything got put online again. 
So we were like, oh, we're working. Yeah, this is going to be really exciting. And boom, we're back to square one again. And being a brand new coach, you know, I, I want to not only meet my players, but if we were going to do like an inner inner sport workout so multiple sports were going to be on the field at the same time just all doing the workouts together and I was like excited to just go meet the high school kids you know and develop and get them excited like oh you know I potentially potentially I don't know if they will but oh I like that coach Shaffield guy maybe I'll go to a football game this year and then we'll have more more butts in the stands and that's exciting you know I want to get I want to get the, the students excited just as much as the players and the staff and the, and the parents around us and stuff but yeah, with this time, and I would hate for them to to wait until August to say, okay, we'll have a football season, and this is what it's going to look like, because in my county, we can't even work out with each other, and that, that kind of scares me, because when kids get tired, they start using poor technique, and then we're ramping up injuries out there and stuff, so I'm, I'm hoping, you know, and I'm, I'm sending stuff out online about every two days saying, hey, you know, get to work, the season might show, you know, it's going to show up, you better be ready, because I, I don't want to waste time at practice getting into shape. Right. So, and that, and that's really the most important thing. And I, I'm like, it makes me think about how many injuries could be prevented if we could, you know, I don't, I don't want to go against CDC regulations or my school district or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying, Oh, we should be working out. And I can't believe we're not. I'm just saying, you know, that I think it's important for kids to be working out, but who's, you know, when you're, when you're 14 to 18 years old, you don't really know how to do things that well. That's why you have right. coaches. That's why they, you, they teach you those techniques, whether it's through lifting or fundamentals of, of the game that you're about to play. And then that's where the learning happens. And then when you implement those things, when you go into the season, but if you just say, all right, we're going to have a season and just throw some kids out there, that, that just seems like it's also going to be detrimental as well. So, you know, I hope that we can get going here pretty soon. I know the Valley is a little bit more opened up than we are. Uh, we're, we're still in phase one here in Oregon. You guys are stuck in phase four right now, but you're a lot, a lot further along than, than we are. Yeah. We actually just got moved back to stage three last week. So uh, we opened up and then ended up going backwards for a second. It's, it's a crazy world we're living in, man. And it's, um, it's super frustrating. Now, if I'm an athlete, I'm just sitting here listening to you talking. This is my head coach talking. I'm getting my butt out there and moving if I can, um, within reason, obviously, like if I can go run or I can go, you know, do sprints by myself, I'm getting out there and doing that because like you said, I mean, it's one thing when you're in high school, you think everything's like you're untouchable, nothing's going to happen. But what if this is your senior year and you need this year? Like if it was me in high school, I didn't play varsity until I was a senior in basketball. I just developed late. I was a young senior too. I was 17 years old as a senior. I was actually 16 years old for a week um, as a senior. I was young when I graduated, but my body hadn't matured. I hadn't, I, I wasn't ready for varsity basketball until my senior year. And that was a great season for me. I shot well, I did really well on the team, but I needed that senior season to be able to play I wouldn't have played otherwise and so if I'm in that position and I know there's other athletes the majority of athletes are actually like that there's very few that are at the peak of their level when they're sophomores and juniors um and so if I'm them and I'm listening to you right now on this show I'm out there moving because if it does come August and they make the decision hey you guys got six weeks to get ready because kickoff's going to be mid-September whatever it is like I'm just throwing stuff out there six weeks isn't a long time they might be like oh that's perfectly fine nah dude you better be coming into ready to work because we're going to get to, to work with our other stuff. You better be in shape already. That's, that's the whole concept. So it's a tough world we're living in, man. I think every sport, every athlete, every coach is kind of dealing with it. Um, just, just looking at the NBA, for example, they're doing the same thing. They had to have like a six-week training camp, and they're still worried about soft tissue injuries over there. So it's all these little things that people don't really think about. You've got to get ready to go through a grueling season like that. Now, I just want to know from you, Dan, like we're, 
what's the community like at this new place that you're at in Newport? Like, what's the community like around there compared to like the Treasure Valley in Idaho? I mean, Treasure Valley, we've got like a million schools, whether they're 5A, 4A. There's a lot of schools all around each other around here. I mean, Bishop Kelly's like half a mile down from Bora, uh, which is a 5A school, and everyone's here. But what's what's Newport like? Is there any differences in the in the community? Oh uh, yeah, huge. I mean, anybody who's ever lived in a small town knows that everybody knows everybody, and that's kind of what it is around here too. You know, I'll, I'll talk to one person about somebody, and, or you know, so a kind of a when I moved here. Uh, I, I drove a 26 foot or yeah, a 26 foot U-Haul and with a coat with towing my fiance's car behind it. And the house that I moved into has a pretty steep driveway. And, uh, I, I thought that I could take this fully loaded U-Haul. I took the, the transport trailer off and I was like, I'm just going to gun it up this hill because I live up on a hill and I want to carry all this stuff out, out and walk it up the hill and stuff. So I gunned it. I got about halfway up. And I started, I didn't make it. So I started to back up, but my trailer was so fully loaded that I actually ended up digging the bumper of that U-Haul into the asphalt uh, and getting it stuck. Like we were stuck. And so I had to call uh, a tow truck to come pull me out and stuff. But I, I tell people that story here and they're like, oh yeah, I drove past you. Oh, that was you? Like, it's just that small, you know? Oh, oh, I heard about that. You know, just those kind of things like my, the principal, I, I went and finally got to go into my, the school that I'm teaching at. My principal was like, oh, yeah, I live like five minutes from you. That was your U-Haul that got stuck in the middle of the road? That's crazy. It's just like, you know, everybody knows everybody. And, and you kind of get that feeling, too, just inside the certain school um, that you're in. Like Bishop Kelly obviously has a huge community. So if you say, if you're talking to somebody that you don't know or you, like at the grocery store or whatever it is, and you're like, oh, Bishop Kelly, then they're like, oh, well, do you know such and such? We call that. My, my buddy from Montana calls that the Montana syndrome where, cause Montana is such a big state, but everybody knows everybody, even from the little towns and stuff <laughs> that eventually you're going to find somebody that you have, that, you know, you know, and I, I'm fortunate enough. My, my grandpa's brother uh, is in the, the university of Oregon hall of fame as, as a player and a coach. Um, Joe Sheffield's his name. He was a stud defensive tackle. Um, and he was a coach there for their first Rose bowl. And, uh, I was, I met with the te the staff that I'm teaching with today online. And one lady was like, Oh yeah, your, your uncle or whatever is in the hall of fame in Oregon, isn't he? And I was like, yeah, he sure is. So people are going to know stuff about you um, that you haven't even had to tell them, but everybody's been super, you know, super open and friendly and nice, and helpful. Uh, the, the beaches here are, are beautiful. I mean, there are a lot of tourists that you see coming around um, that, that are at the beaches and stuff. But I, I go to the beach and take my dogs out there every single day. I'm sure it'll wear off eventually, but it's still gorgeous out here in the Newport Bridge and, and just the whole, like the friendly community, you know, I, it, especially being brand new to the school. Everybody's been super awesome and helpful. And, um, and, and it's, you know, it's not just like this one high school. You know, there is only Newport High School in, inside Newport. So once you kind of – I met a – I had an electrician come to the house that I'm renting the other day too, and he was like, oh, yeah, I got a son who's going into kindergarten at, at Quinnaview, which is the school that I'm teaching. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm the new PE teacher over there. And he's like, oh, no way. Like just – it's just tiny and small. Everybody's going to know everybody. So I think by the time, you know, I live here for about five or ten years or however long my stint is here, depending on the capacity of me – being the head coach or whatever it is, but still being a teacher and in the community, you know, people are going to know who I am. I'm going to know who they are. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty exciting.
uh, I, I love the small town feel. I'm a, I'm a small town kid at heart, even though I was born and raised in the, in the Treasure Valley. I just, when I went to a small town in, in Montana, I just knew that eventually someday I wanted to be back in the small town. That's so funny because I'm the exact opposite. You sound like my dad. <laughs> my dad and my mom and everyone's <laughs> like, they're all small town folk. But that's why they moved to Meridian, Idaho here in the Treasure Valley, which at the time when I was you know six years old, it wasn't nearly what it is now. And they moved here because it was smaller. Yeah. <laughs> then it uh then it definitely outgrew itself so it's kind of funny you sound like that but it's awesome i mean that's a blessing and it could be a curse but for someone like yourself having a small town like that and you're someone who's friendly like yourself a person you know like a human being that doesn't like you know doesn't treat people negatively you treat them positively and like you treat them with respect that's a really really big blessing that you have the community to to be around you especially in times like this so when the season does kick off and you get everything moving and things get back to somewhat normal hopefully um, yeah, you'll have the support of the community around you, which is awesome. And I think that's part of the benefit of sports too. I think people don't realize that is that community, that community support. It's super, super cool. Sports bring people together. Um, it's, it's really cool. You got the community behind you. Uh, people know who you are and, uh, it's just fun. They're, they're willing to help you out. Now, Dan, I, I got a question for you here. I want to know, um, is there any like books or, or audio books you've ever read that like, is like your favorite book that's like helped motivate you like any even a documentary for that matter that you've listened to or read or watched that uh you'd like to share with us some that that kind of inspired you and, and helped you in your profession in football um yeah so i uh i actually got it sitting right here so i'll plug this see it bit. i uh one thing i wish to tell you that i really like is the, the o-line the head o-line coach there every christmas he gets you a book he gets you some type of book to read so I've read the story on Don Shula, uh, which was super awesome about his career and stuff like that. Um, and then I was on a, a football podcast, a football Zoom meet one time watching a coach go through some stuff about culture and whatever. And he brought this uh, book to my attention. It's by Randy Jackson. It's called uh, Culture Defeats Strategy. I'm sure it's backwards on the screen or whatever. Oh, no, it's good. But uh, Culture, culture Defe Defeats Strategy. It's seven lessons on leadership from the Texas high school football coach. Um, I read through this thing in about three days. Um, it's not very thick, but it just has good lessons about, you know, what kind of culture, like I, you were talking to the Meridian guy. I think you just let his uh, audio drop today, right? Or right. yesterday. Right. And, and he talked about the notebook thing about writing goals down or something in the notebook. And that's like, that I'm like, that's something that I'm interested in doing now. You know, it's like how, what, what kind of little quirk can we do? that makes us one accountable to our actions and, and two, like that's part of our culture, you know, that's, and that's, what's really exciting. Yeah. So, I mean, culture defeat strategy. Um, I, I said this in a, an interview, uh, through the OSAA, um, as well, you know, it's, it's it, culture X's and O's are one thing, but if you can get kids to execute and believe that the, they're doing things for a reason, then you, that that's the culture part of it. You know, you can, you can put X's and O's on a board every single day and make things work out in the way you want them to. But that variable is having the kids, you know, have, especially in football, having 11 guys on the field execute uh, their position or their assignment correctly. So that play actually works, you know, and that's the variable. And then, I mean, you also have the referee variable if he just wants to throw a flag or whatever, but you know, it's like, that that's the variable not not many other sports or if any other sports do you have um do you have that variable where 11 the, every single person on the team needs to do the right thing at the right time for things to work out 
you know, and, and it all starts with sn- the, the center snapping the ball to the quarterback. That's where it all begins. That, that is a huge exchange. You know, I'm a, I watch, I, I think at the professional level, shotgun snapping is great. I was a middle school head coach and I don't believe in shotgun snapping. I want that quarterback. So there's less variable for you to mess up the, the, you know, the exchange from the center to the, to the quarterback and stuff like that. And it just kind of takes that variable down a little bit, but that's where it starts. It's from the, the smallest details. If you take care of the small things, the big things will take care of themselves. You know, and that's, that's really what it comes down to. And the old line coach also used to say, uh, he, all, he always used to ask us, he's like, you ever been bit by an elephant before? You know, like, and, you know, 90, 99.99% of people are like, no. He's like, well, you ever been bit by a bug before? Yeah. Well, it's the small things that matter. Like it doesn't, you know, it's, it's those little things that matter. It's not, don't worry about the big things. You know, if you worry about the little things and you take care of the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. So it's just kind of stuff like that. And just those little stories and, and little sayings and stuff that, that really will, you know, have brought light to my eyes, especially in this culture defeat strategy book. It's been a real eye opener about some, some things that we could, we could do here, especially if we start getting in person and, and getting after it. Heck yeah, man. If I'm a, if, if I'm one of your athletes right now, one of your, your players, I'm paying attention. I'm going to, I wrote that down culture defeat strategy. I just wrote it over here on my other side of my screen. So I, I've started to gain a passion for reading. So I've been reading more books lately and that's not normal for me. I didn't used to like that until like about the last four or five months. Um, so I'll make sure I put that one on the list. Culture defeat strategy. Now, Dan, I got two questions left for you, man. First thing is just tell me real quick. Who is one of the most inspirational, besides your coach in college, you already mentioned him, but one of your most inspirational individuals in your life that's inspired you the most, just somebody who's inspired you and why? Um, you know, hang on a second. I gotta, I'm going to plug my phone in or it's too bad. Sorry about that. Oh, you're good. Um, probably my, my biggest inspiration uh, as, as a coach uh, – has to be my grandpa. Um, he, he was a football coach and an educator for a really long time. He's in uh, the Idaho Wrestling Hall of Fame as well as a, as a really good re- wrestling referee. Um, and he's always 100% had my back. And he's always kind of uplifted me and made me a better person. You know, he's like, he used to say this thing to me back in the day that was uh, one who has much, much is expected. And that kind of was always stuck with me too. Uh, and it's true. It's like, I was, I was very blessed growing up. Like I had a lot uh, of, of things that, that went for me and, you know, I, I needed to show people that since I have so much, much is expected and I need, I need to be able to do that. And he's always pushed me uh, when I was in college, I used to have to, I lived like South Boise and I would meet him at 6 a.m. at Nampa high school uh, for a couple years during the summertime when I was in college and he would run me until I puked and, you know, and he wouldn't even blink an eye about it. You know, he'd just be like, well, puke, take a drink of water. Let's get back after it. Like he instilled that mental toughness in me. Uh, he's a great man. He, you know, he, he made some mistakes and he owns those mistakes, which I think is a huge thing about being a man too, because you're going to make mistakes, but you need to own up to them, uh, apologize and do what you can to, to make them better. Uh, if you can and stuff. And, and he's just been one of those guys that have, 
has always pushed me and like he's he's my dad's dad and and having him around and having him in my life has been just a huge blessing he comes to uh football games to watch me to watch me coach on friday nights uh he always supports all of my other cousins as well my my little brother's the wrestling one of the wrestling coaches at bishop kelly my cousin is a softball and basketball coach at uh, bishop kelly as well uh we have a, a cousin who's a a referee so he refs football games and uh wrestling matches so he's he's always involved in our lives uh, i come from a pretty big sports family but he's always involved in our lives and just and just encouraging us and, and just being there you know that's like that's like a huge part he's just always been there for us like no matter what like i'm almost like kind of getting a little emotional just talking about him but you know he's he's a great man it's like someday i want to i want to have my grandson or granddaughter look back and go like, Hey, my grandpa was a great man. So that's, you know, he, he's inspired me to just do the best that I can with, with what I have and, and just keep going. So, yeah. That's awesome, man. That's super, super cool. Yeah. I, I love hearing that kind of stuff from, from people and just hearing who's inspired them and the reason for that. That's awesome. I appreciate the detail behind it. Is there anything Dan that, you know, I, I didn't ask you that you'd like to say today before we wrap up the interview? Yeah, uh, I, I've always I've wanted to say this to you for a while now, actually, you know, um, you've been a huge inspiration out here, Shane, and I want to give you the acknowledgement that getting out and, and doing what you do and posting those videos and the 900 before nine and, and suggesting books to people and, and just keeping that positive vibe going on. I know I was making some positivity videos for a while and stuff and they were great, but you know, I, I, it's hard to keep up on social media and you do a great job of it. Uh, getting out there, just talking about motivational things. Some days I'll be laying in my bed and first thing I pull up on Facebook, Shane Larson is doing his walk and talk and I listen to it and then I jump out of bed and I'm, I'm ready to go for the day now. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I've, there's been some, you know, like I've been going through my own stuff too, but it's like you, your motivational talks and your talks and walks and your 900 before nine, have, have been keeping me motivated so i just want you to know like thank you for those things and you're, you're changing lives out there too man and and uh, i really do appreciate you taking the time to uh put me on your show and and get my story out there and stuff but you man you're you're doing great stuff in, in the world you're gonna be you know you get bigger and bigger every single day uh known uh, through the nation and the countries and everything and, and someday I, I won't be surprised if you got your own true radio show that you don't have to worry about you know paying for so much that it's you know, you're making money. You're going to be making money. It's going to be awesome. I appreciate you, man. That was uh, super kind of you, man. And, uh, we're just trying to like, you know, iron sharpens iron. We all try to, you know, surround ourselves with positive individuals. I just try to do my part, but same goes to you. I love, I love meeting people like yourself, Dan, because everyone's got a story to share and everyone can benefit somebody if you just allow them to. And that's why we want to get those stories out of you. And I appreciate you same as you appreciate me. And I just want to say thank you for joining the show. And I would look forward to seeing what happens this year. You know, I, I, I am, uh, really a big fan of sports so for all of our sakes I, I really hope things get back to normal I think uh, if it does it'll be so so awesome especially you know obviously for you as a coach you want to get to to work with your new football program so once again Dan I appreciate you joining the Game Time Guru podcast man. Thanks Jane it's a pleasure to be here keep it up go Cubs. There we go and for everybody listening appreciate you tuning in make sure that you leave me a review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends and family, and uh, let's get Dan's story out there. We'll be talking to you guys next week. Guys, thanks so much for listening to another episode of my show. Now, if you could go and do me a favor, head over to iTunes, give me five stars, and leave me a review. It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks, guys. Appreciate your support.